This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. This half hour, I want to bring in Post Media's international affairs columnist, Canada's longest serving foreign correspondent, Matthew Fisher, joining us from Dallas, Texas today. Hello, Matthew. Hi, and you used the words ugly and uglier. Well, of course, the third part of that would be ugliest. Oh. Maybe tomorrow or the day after, well, you'll be able to say ugliest as well as ugly and uglier. Uh, Matthew, and when you say the, the next day after the election, and, and I'm worried about in January, because no matter who is going to come out of this election, the victor, the U.S. has... Uh, a lot of healing, not just political healing, but they have undergone social unrest. They've seen their economy struggle. I- I'm not sure what we can expect with whoever's going to take over when it's official after tomorrow night. Well, I, the day after will be very interesting, and uh, the speeches will be very interesting. Uh, can Donald Trump possibly um, give a standard concession speech, that is, can he concede defeat uh, And uh, if he loses? And if Hillary Clinton wins, and it seems to me that's the more likely scenario, can she be magnanimous in victory? And I wonder about that because... Uh, she there's a, a defiant streak to her and she's does not seem like the most forgiving soul in the world and how do you repair a rupture when the two principals don't want to repair uh, anything and i think clinton must reach out to those many millions of americans who voted for trump who are not as so many canadian people seem to think lunatics a lot of Trump supporters are very decent, hardworking, ordinary American folks who are outraged with what's going on in Washington. And they don't support Trump because of some of his very crazy ideas. We see at his rallies the people who do. And they are, if you like, from the extreme right or the lunatic fringe. But there are an awful lot of Americans who aren't, who are holding their noses and voting for him. Uh, They'd rather vote for a, a, a Democrat if there was anybody but Hillary running. And I think a lot of Democrats would vote for a Republican because they're not too enamored of Hillary Clinton either. But of course, they cannot vote for Trump. So it's a mess for both parties. And it's also a mess for both of those people. Trump seems to want to stay in the game after the election. And and so that will exacerbate the problems. But uh, I think the American right will start to look to other people to lead them because his approach, his wild approach to politics, uh, I don't see how it's ever really going to succeed, even if he wins the election. I don't see how it's going to succeed. And so I'm not saying a Republican has to be more moderate in some of the ideas they hold, but they must express those ideas uh, more adroitly. And uh, um, I don't think that man's Trump. Hillary Clinton is going to have all kinds of problems. Uh, with the Republicans, who will probably try to impeach her, also with her own party, because there's great dissatisfaction with her leadership. It's a real mess for the for the first world, for the West, that uh, whoever leads the United States starts out with such a poison chalice, and it's of their own making. But uh, meanwhile, China, Russia, uh, North Korea, Iran, all of these places are encouraged by this. And I look at this clearly 
in terms foreign policy terms i'm not an american and i don't have domestic concerns really on my mind i want america to be strong and proper in the world and uh, uh it hasn't been strong lately under barack obama and even before him with uh, with uh, bush junior and his presidency and i fear that if that trend continues much longer we'll be really in the soup with china and russia becoming bullies i mean we're talking, this was a superpower. The U.S. is a superpower. But what we've been seeing happening in this campaign has just made it look like a, a super foolish country in a way. Well, it's been a farce. Um, yeah. uh, that's one way you can look at it. You could look at it as a tragic comedy uh, uh, is another way. Uh, there has not been great leadership. Hillary Clinton has provided very poor answers, whether she's indicted or not, over her cavalier handling of of classified documents. Uh, the, the whole Clinton Foundation just stinks to high heavens in terms of the tens of millions of dollars that seems to have generated for the Clinton family's personal use and political use. And, and then, of course, Trump. I mean, where do you begin? to uh, outline all of the ridiculous, all of the absurd things he said to say, some of the things he said about women, which uh, are revolting to a large percentage of the population. What he said to say to Hispanics about that they're uh, drug dealers and rapists, sort of stereotypical, that's all they are as a society, when in fact they're very hardworking people, most of them, and have made a tremendous contribution to American society uh, for several hundred years, but also in the last few decades. And to be written off in that way, and they're going to build a wall along the Mexican border uh, to keep more Latin Americans out. Uh, I mean, ideas like that, the kind things that he's had to say about Vladimir Putin. Uh, so he is a train wreck. But Clinton, Clinton to me, has uh, gone off the rails as well. I know she doesn't repel Canadians as much as Trump does, but I'd be deeply worried with either of them in the cockpit, and one of them is going to climb into that cockpit tomorrow night. Matthew, you've spent the last uh, three weeks kind of going um, around a number of states, and so I guess when we talk about losers, whether it's Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, I think the bigger loser is the Americans. The, so what are you hearing from Americans as they get ready to vote for their next president? Well, the common theme, there aren't many common themes because of the society is split in so many different ways. But if there is a common theme, it is immense disappointment on the part of Republicans and Democrats that these are their choices. How it has come to this, a nation of 330 million people with so many clever, industrious people uh, within that society, uh, so many good people within that society, and these are the two leaders you throw up. And, and of course, as Canadians, it's not only Canadians, Europeans feel this way too. Why don't we get a vote in this election as well? Because, of course, the United States decides who will lead the free world, and all of the rest of us are excluded from this process. Uh, there's a lot of blame to be laid uh, at the door of the Democratic and Republican parties, the people who organize their political campaigns. It was a coronation for Clinton from the beginning. There was this feeling that somehow she had been usurped by Barack Obama uh, uh, when he came on eight years ago onto the scene and stole what she thought was going to be the nomination for her. She's hung around for eight years waiting for it. On the other side, 
the uh, Republicans had, what was it, 17 candidates, and they all fell by the wayside as the media concentrated on the absurdities of Trump and gave him so much attention that uh, the others in the candidate, uh, uh, the others in the race, and there were some of them who were very good, uh, just uh, 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 fell away. So we didn't get the good Republican candidates, and there were no other Democratic candidates, really, except Bernie Sanders. And his views, well, to Canadians may not seem that odd, were a bridge too far for most Americans. But there are other Democratic candidates who Americans certainly would have supported. That is the great tragedy of this campaign, that the Democrats decided long ago to support a deeply flawed candidate. That is, the Democrat leadership decided that. And on the Republican side, that they let their race get away to become unhinged where Trump got so much ink, where Trump got so much play. And of course, in the early debates, uh, because he was so bombastic, you forgot that there was anybody else even on Mm. the stage. And that helped them. It was like if you like these live entertainment shows or what do they call them? There's a word for these TV shows. The reality. reality. Thank you. Reality TV. And and of course, Americans like that kind of TV. But of course, running the country ain't a reality TV show. And this is their reality, which is really scary. It's not something they can switch channels. It's no, this is your reality. So it sounds like, Matthew, we can spread the blame around because you even got the media in on that because they seemed to glom on to uh, Donald Trump's bombastic nature and his outlandish comments. Well, yes, and also they were not nearly critical enough, in my opinion, of Hillary Clinton and her foibles. They should have been hammering away at some of the things she did, the Benghazi raid, her performance as a Secretary of State. The Clinton Foundation has existed for a number of years. It has been, in my opinion, skirting the law and doing uh, terrible things uh, in terms of um, putting money in for their personal use for a very long time. And it was only latterly that uh, there was much curiosity about that. Uh, I also, they, they all want to blame the director of the FBI for intervening and late in the campaign sort of being for Trump and then suddenly being for Clinton again. I think the greater failure, I do not understand how Hillary Clinton has not been indicted on multiple charges, not only related to the Clinton Foundation and how they use that with foreign governments and money from foreign governments. That shouldn't be the way U.S. does politics, but also the classified document things if the classified documents the moment you put them out there in something that is unsafe that breaks the law well she moved them onto a private server that is what they say well nobody got a hold of them well we don't know if nobody got a hold of them the very fact she removed them would be like you taking a classified document out of a building in canada when you'd signed the official secrets act so nobody looked at that so that's the media's failing there and trump the media's failing i I think they only went into some of his dubious business dealings and the fact that these tapes were out there for years about him with women well why did they only come to the fore once all the other republican nominees were out of the race why the heck wasn't the U.S. Mil- uh, media 
onto this two or three years ago, and certainly 12 months ago, when Trump was rising very quickly. Uh, they were late to it because they love the theater, and they were late to Clinton because I think in their heart so much of the U.S. media is Democratic rather than Republican, so they didn't want to give her too rough a ride, and they didn't want to give Trump too rough a ride because it was so darn entertaining <laughs> to watch him, and we paid for that. So the media has plenty plenty, I think, uh, uh, to think about. There should be a lot of introspection. I doubt there will be, though. Uh, they're as righteous and sanctimonious as, as the people who live within the Beltway in Washington, and they will go on behaving as if uh, these things don't really matter. That's my big fear, and that's yet another problem going forward. Well, Matthew, as you mentioned, this is where we've come from. You say going forward. I want to talk about that after this. Matthew Fisher, my guest, Post Media's international affairs columnist, Canada's longest serving foreign correspondent. Back with Mr. Fisher after this. I wonder what the boss thinks of this election. Uh, Matthew Fisher is my guest this half hour, Post Media's international affairs columnist, Canada's longest serving correspondent. Matthew, you've covered a number of presidential campaigns. You know, you're the longest-serving foreign correspondent. That only means I'm old. <laughs> That's right. It's a nice way of saying you're old. But I'm I'm wondering how much social media has played into the ugliness and the fact that we've seen a lot of fake news sites. We've seen, uh, I mean, people themselves, Donald Trump using social media to spread even more anger. I just don't remember this with Barack Obama, and that was just—he was just sort of beginning to use social media to his advantage. Well, I'm no expert, certainly in that field, as uh, as any of my nieces and nephews would tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely a twentieth century man, but. Uh, there is, and it started with cable news 15 or 20 years ago, and then there was the period when there were bloggers and then the even greater immediacy of, of Twitter and the way Facebook is now now used, and, uh, and I guess some of these other sites as well. Uh, everything moves that much faster, and there's very little time to check anything. And so what, what you can put out there very quickly are claims that are untrue. And by the time anybody refutes them, uh, the world has moved on. And before, uh, you know, in the 19th century, it was uh, people would write books or newspapers would take weeks to move to another area. Uh, in the 20th century, we got down to news we could read in our newspapers within 24 days and on radio uh, within a couple of hours. Now everything is instantaneous. And so uh, we've got there's, – there's a fellow, a Canadian journalist, who has spent the last year just uh, publishing on Twitter every uh, factual uh, inaccuracy that Donald uh, – Trump spews. And it's, of course, according to his opinion. Uh, I, I'm not even sure whether it's true or not, but uh, he can come up with 800 things in a week that uh, Donald Trump has allegedly lied about. And he can attract 80,000 followers to that site. In other words, 80,000 people are waiting for him to immediately debunk and call Trump out as a liar. Well, I, I don't see how he can even check that many things for facts so quickly. Uh, I don't doubt or dispute that much of what Trump says is untrue, but this is an example of how rapidly 
uh, things are moving. So not only can you put lies out there, but you can't check whether something is a lie mm. or is the truth. Uh, and there's no introspection. There's, there's not much reflection. Now, a thing like talk radio actually becomes one of most... Uh, uh, one of the best places for reflection, because you can actually speak for a few minutes. Television is only interested in uh, talking in, in bites now. Sound bites on newscasts are down to being 20 or 22 seconds long. Twitter is, what is it, 140 characters. And, and so talk radio, which many have denigrated as a form where people just shout at each other, well, at least they shout at each other for five or ten minutes. <laughs> uh, and that today passes for for reflection because we've moved out of this book era. Uh, today I gave a, a talk at a at a college uh, with journalism students in, in Dallas, Texas, and I asked how many people in the room, and there were about 100 people in the room, uh, had uh, bought a newspaper in the past week. And four of the professors who were about my age put their hands up, and one student out of, say, 100 students did. And that's the reality. Uh, everybody is getting everything in such small bites. And this campaign, it's sort of gone on to steroids. And I think it's been fed a bit by how outrageous some of the things Trump says. It, it's very exciting. It titillates the media, uh, really likes uh, pushing all of that stuff out very quickly. We saw it a little bit during the Canadian elec election campaign. I didn't follow it that closely, uh, but there was some of that there. And I think in previous campaigns, the Harper uh, government used uh, Twitter and things like that rather more effectively than the Liberals. And this time, I think the Liberals mm -hmm. got the better. And it does matter, I guess, in terms of if you want to win elections. It does matter. Uh, and Trump, of course, he's famous now for going online at 3 in the morning. And apparently it really is him. It's not one of his aides. A lot of Canadian politicians, when Hillary Clinton uh, tweets, it, there's no way it's Hillary Clinton. It's someone on her staff. And you can tell it from the wording of Justin Trudeau's tweets that he has absolutely nothing to do with them. They're just put out in his name. But Donald Trump was tweeting himself. And, of course, he got in trouble because a lot of the things he tweeted were pretty darn stupid. <laughs> Matthew, you know what? As always, appreciate your insight. Uh, we will watch closely to see what happens tomorrow. Thank you. Yes, we will. <laughs> it, we follow this with a morbid fascination. Yeah, I guess you're right. Matthew Fisher, Post Media's international affairs columnist, Canada's longest-serving correspondent. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.